0: The TNT shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. Deconstructing psyops, propaganda, and mainstream media garbage. Connecting the dots. You're with Matt Arrett and Connecting the Dots on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Welcome back for the third hour of Connecting the Dots the thing I often like to do with this show, since it comes out in three hours, so there's three segments, uh, is to showcase a little geopolitical discussion at the beginning to situate people in reality, ideally with a with a little bit of a historical uh, context thrown in there, hence connecting the dots. Usually, then something on domestic politics in some way, which we did with Mel K today. Um, but then I really like to end with something a bit more um, cultural, and uh, and Dave is somebody who really could qualify to speak about all three of these elements, but really Dave Gosselin is somebody who's already been on as a, as a guest, um, has really distinguished himself, not just as an analyst of cultural dynamics, but also a poet into his own right. And he, Dave has spearheaded the creation of a couple of very important, uh, cultural journals. One of which is the new liar.com the new liar magazine. It's a quarterly review. I subscribe to it. I suggest other people do as well. Uh, featuring essays, translations of classics, as well as new uh, poetry as well. Um, utilizing certain classical methods of composition that have been really abandoned in modern academia and polite society. He's also hosted the the Chained Muse that he, he created and, and has a couple of substacks. So I'm really happy that Dave is is coming on to to talk a little bit about what the hell happened to the culture. We're going to talk a little bit about something called the Esselin Institute. And uh, what is this thing called the counterculture? So Dave, thank you for coming on as the uh, the third guest.
2: Thanks for having me. Well, yeah, it's definitely a fun rabbit hole. And um, I mean, I saw it picking off of, I saw one of your last interviews with the Fitzgeralds and they mentioned uh, this book, Weird Scenes in the Canyon, which I also have and I I devoured uh, as well. And so yeah, Esalen, is part of that 1960s sort of countercultural movement it was it was funded created in by Lawrence Rockefeller in terms of the funding one among many though uh, all of california in the 1960s saw this blossoming of new spiritual institutions right which are associated with what people call the new age and so this was basically creating the basis for a new, you know, what they call it, age of Aquarius. Uh, you know, people in hair are dancing and sing about the age of Aquarius. And what does that mean? Right. Cause there's like a fun, poppy surface level that people, you know, we identify like, oh, meditation, breathing. I was at, um, I was at a Wendy's just two weeks ago and I had this book in my hand, the, the Esalen book. And the lady goes, oh, I know that Esalen. And uh, she says, I've been there. And I said, oh yeah. And she said, yeah. And I I, I just asked her what, like what for, and they had done bre- uh, rebirthing is what she called it. And it's breathing that you do when you're supposedly born uh, or a baby. So just to say, there's all these kind of flaky or techniques, but then what's what's under that, right? It's not just just like the rock drugs counterculture sure, there's nice bands and people are having fun, but there are underlying ideas that are being sown into the culture. And in the case of entertainment and, and the, the musical uh, dimension, it's, yeah, it's through entertainment, through fun. With Esalen, it's very much about healing trauma, right? Reducing suffering. And they really became the meccas for spreading drug-infused mysticism. So the idea that, western civilization now has to sort of liberate itself from the the tyranny of you know abstractions going back to platonism christianity and that one of the key ways of doing that is through jug-infused mysticism opening up new realities and allowing people to sort of break on through to the other side Mm. on that note yeah you um
1: you brought up that uh in 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 a chat with me that um one of the focuses of Esalen early on by its uh, founders, uh, especially Michael Murphy, it seems, who played a more leading role than Dick Price, was to create a uh, a sort of new spiritualism of the body. And this is something mm. that's tied to some of the, the teachings of Aldous Huxley as well. And I've heard you speak about that as well. And Huxley's idea of the human potential as he laid it out in some of his writings, which inspired these guys. Can you say a little bit more about like what is this new culture of spiritualism of the, of the body and how is this useful as far as social control? I, not not fully for those who may not be following that.
2: Yeah, I know that's, it's, uh, I mean, there's basically one thing is they're obviously looking to the East as, you know, a lot of Imperial sort of psyops do right in terms of the mysticism and the, the, the cults, a lot of this stuff is Eastern. So they're looking at, you know, Tantric Asia. Tantra is basically, this is an important, or this opens up once we get this. The idea of Tantra is just you have text, you have a textual tradition, and it's the practice of applying text. You know, so you have the mantras, you have the Buddhist Tantras, X, Y, Z. Um, and so the idea of Tantras is practices and techniques for uh, accessing, developing yourself. So this actually leads into the whole self-help movement the self-help movement all the different you know how to become your your best self-actualized self from tony robbins to uh, dianetics scientology to uh, psycho cybernetics visualizations you know imagine your best and ideal self all this stuff comes from this tantric idea that this is how they're thinking about it of you know what are the techniques and practices for people to be uh, come their fully actualized self. Which now, as far as
1: techniques don't seem that bad at all. Like those
2: are kind of neutral, yeah. good, useful techniques. Breathing, right. meditation. Sure. Yeah. yeah that, that's not, that's not wrong with that. So again, but then there's the underlying idea. Once you read something like Esalen, the this book, The Religion of No Religion, uh, it's basically they're saying we need to open up these new realities, right? We need to western civilization lost the sort of magic of archaic greek society and sort of its all its mystery religions and rituals uh where people were allowed to access these altered states right and altered states i mean if you think about it whether you're fasting whether you're whether it's drugs whether it's hypnosis uh abstinence they're all forms of uh, altered states right? So your body's going to start to feel different. So the idea is that you want to get people to explore, go down these different avenues, and that this is their, this is the, this is the experience of the mystical and the religious, that the traditional uh, religions and sort of moral systems have denied. So the problem, though, is that it's very much centered on the self. And I think this is where people, there's a nuance here. You know, we think, again, satanism crowley his oto you know temple orientis again it's eastern stuff we think all the the cart the hardcore satanism stuff but luciferianism is is the worship of the self right there's a distinction between worship of you know some dude with horns and worship of the self without context right right so well, we it's, like the, today, it's like it's like aldous huxley's
1: Principle of Thelema was do, "Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law," or the the hell. That's also the Hellfire Club of Dashwood of the British Empire as well. Was their motto of "Do what thou wilt" is the whole of the law, which is I partially why <laughs> I think Crowley might have selected that. But you're right; like it's 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 a little bit more um, insidious and and not obvious. It, it's not wearing the the horns as you said. It's it's something a little bit more self oriented.
2: Yeah, and there's no context. Right. Like, what is your, how do you identify yourself outside of a context of community, outside of a context of your history? Like, if you don't know what the history of Western civilization is, what does it mean for you personally to develop your own self actualized self? So, the Luciferian idea becomes the self is the all encompassed, like, that's your baseline. And so, your ability to, uh, you know, fully use your will as you choose and desire, that's to become a fully self-actualized self. And you see this today in the culture, like the young people, everybody's, uh, you know, you just have to make it, right? Everybody's hustling. You got like this gig economy now. So everybody's more and more, it's just becoming about uh, how do you get ahead. And I, you know, just by chance, I saw a Bill Maher clip on Twitter, but he was talking about the lyrics and all the music and saying how the radical materialism in like all the big musical acts that really even compared, like this is flaky. All you need is love, right? In the 1960s, everybody would kind of be able to fill in that gap. But today, if you look at the lyrics, it's like Mercy Lago, Lamborghini, you know, got my something, something. Uh, but it's really people are, have. there's, it's pure materialism, right? And the idea is, we it's just become it's a radical individualism but that's not by chance at the so esalen has really been the the spiritual mecca for kind of introducing the ideas of emphasizing the self it's there's no family right like esalen doesn't really talk about like how to have a nice family Mm. uh it's very much emphasizing how do you become your best self
1: Right, I was talking to, to Paul and Liz Fitzgerald uh, on a similar topic as this last week, and, and you referenced that that chat. Um, they were making the point, having been through it themselves directly, is that something was done within to the baby boomer as a baby boomers as a generation. There's obviously exceptions, but as a generation, they were subjected to something which resulted in a, a whole generation that had an, an unprecedented level of susceptibility to subliminal messaging, predictive programming, um, effectively what became the me generation of the 1980s, right? These were all made up of leading, uh, peace movements, sex, drugs, rock and roll, live in the moment, uh, hippies who then very quickly shifted gears and readapted to a completely, you'd think a very opposing identity to what they stood for within the anti-war movement and and things of the sixties do you, how do you think about that uh, th- this this transformation of the the baby boomers from being you know they're obviously peace loving make make love not war like i mean you know it sounds all very nice to becoming the leading fact- figures mm-hmm. within corporate political military uh, decision making that's that's sort of run roughshod over the world uh over the past right.
2: years or so well i think I mean, the real sap is, and we've spoken about this before, if you give people flaky ideas, or, you know, you start, as we were discussing, if you put junk in people's head, you know, one of our friends was saying that much of intelligence isn't uh, even what people tend to think about it is just like, putting out these dumb, dopey messages that somehow everybody believes, even though it's obvious, it's not uh, true. But it's it's inserting things that are largely true. But with something poisonous in it right so we saw with the people trying to protest war and whatnot we saw how yeah the musical and cultural scenes sort of that sucked things in a certain direction and you know if you have peace and love sure all you need is love but if you don't know how the system actually works right if you don't know how the world works then the idea that you're going to you know take on the industrial military complex um, you know, there's some version, it becomes easy to sub- subvert people. And I think uh, the key to the Luciferian uh, sort of ethos there is your people are never being told what to do, they're serving their will. And so with the world of abundance that we had, I think one of the main brainwashing for the baby boomers is that mankind had never seen such abundance before in the history of man. And so now Uh, they were able to check out, you know, people were, in a sense, able to be uh, just conditioned through materialism. And, you know, you serve your will. So there was still that basic idea of the self and manifesting that. And well, now we're in this material world, we may as well manifest.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's that's good. It's a good point of uh, the devil's in the details, as they say. It's these subtle little, little details for the, the lack of the horse, horseshoe nail. The kingdom was lost. We're going to with that note, we're going to go for a short break and we'll be right back to continue this discussion on TNT Radio live. TNT's Misty Winston.
2: She says, how is
1: anyone still talking about October 7th? What Israel has done since October 7th is many times worse than what happened on that day by any conceivable metric. The only way to feel otherwise is to believe Israeli lives are worth many times more than Palestinian lives. How is Israeli suffering still being centered over vastly less significant acts of violence three months ago, while exponentially worse violence and suffering is being inflicted by Israelis right this very moment? If your nation is attacked and you respond to that attack by immediately murdering thousands of children with incredible savagery, then you forfeit any right to expect anyone to give a shit that your nation was attacked. Israel responded to the Hamas attack by doing something much, much worse than anything Hamas has ever done. And in doing so, completely delegitimizing itself as a state and completely validating everything the Palestinian resistance has been saying about the state of Israel since
3: day one.
0: Misty Winston on today's News Talk TNT.
3: I was such a young age, everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March, and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that I had other people like me. They understood what I was going through and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a Youth Ambassador so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my licence, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer.
0: So many people who had no history of heart illnesses have got it now or blood clotting after the COVID-19 vaccination. Punish those who hurt people with COVID madness, lighting the fuse for freedom, TNT Radio.
1: All right, we're back here with the second segment of the third hour with TNT Radio's Connecting the Dots. Um, we're continuing our discussion into the counterculture the dynamics shaping the counterculture and what shaped those dynamics what intentions shape those dynamics and why Um, obviously when it comes to cultural warfare most people who participate within the process and the machinery are not fully aware of what they're a part of they're 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 it's like almost that the Their identities are wired and shaped by forces they don't fully understand, but that awaken certain attributes, certain passions, certain ways of looking at the world that make them predictably useful, cogs in a machine, even if they're going to play a very negative role, as we've seen with many people, many actors with an intelligence within the deep state who don't fully understand what they're a part of. Now, when it comes to like the questions of music, culture, literature, much more sensitive because now we're dealing with things that subjectively affect us all. So I know a lot of people might be kind of like feeling some angry emotions, maybe from some of what we've been saying, you know, about thinking critically about some of the dynamics shaping the uh, the sex, drugs, rock and roll counterculture. But to be objective, you know, we're at a point of crisis, this crisis didn't happen because of a, a bunch of accidents. There, there's, there's obviously some some intentions. So it's important that we think uh, more objectively and critically about things that were otherwise maybe quite personal. Um, one of the things you sent me, Dave, was a channel, an Eslin Institute official channel featuring an aged, an aged Michael Murphy, the founder, talking with his young disciples who are the next generation of Eslin leaders around a roundtable. One of the videos featured, uh, I think it was Michael Murphy, um, describing the purpose of Eslin being driven by this intention to normalize schizophrenia and reframe it from being, a disease into a natural phase that we should be going through as part of our rebirth, a rebirthing process. And people like Artie Lang obviously played a role in the evolution of, of some of these uh, dynamics. I'm sure other other psychiatrists affiliated with Tavistock, Artie Lang was Tavistockian, um, and MK Ultra probably also played a role. Um, why, what is it about this, this agenda? What is it about schizophrenia? I, I do think of that as, as a disease, is it a natural thing, um, that, that is tied to something you'd want to, uh, become healthy out of not necessarily want to embrace. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Right. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk about sort of dissolving the ego, mm. Right. And what is the whole point even of psychedelics? You know, because Esalen has been pioneering psychedelics as well. So fracturing the ego and, and dissolving the ego, uh, that has been one big thing. And the irony there as well, uh, among many, one of my favorite podcasters, I usually mention at least once on a show, Tim Dillon. Uh, he made the joke that, you know, all these people take ayahuasca, psychedelics in like the jungle or the woods and you know Joshua tree or whatnot uh, how many of these people are really looking to dissolve their ego? all of them are doing this because they want to find a way to get ahead to self-actualize and you know get that big acting job, get that big gig That's why they're taking psychedelics right and a lot of people otherwise are they're taking psychedelics because they want to have an experience of wisdom of God of these things but it's very much, Um, there's, there's a self-interest involved in that. And, but part of it is that you're, you're breaking apart your personality. Like there's a repatterning psychedelics. The reason MK ultra was so big on it is that you're breaking connections. You're breaking connections with your past self and you're forming new affective relationships, positive and negative affectations. Hey, I used to like this. Now I don't like this. I used to believe this. Now I don't believe this. I feel better about the idea X Y Z. So you're literally you're repatterning, and then there's this idea that people are just going to repattern themselves, right? Which is the idea: you just go get psychedelics, you have a goal, and I'm going to repattern myself. Now this has been going on for a few decades, and it's like, what could possibly go wrong uh, with an entire society sort of trying to just self-repattern? as part of the same self-help kind of cult of finally actualizing and breaking through to the other side, to my real self. Um, the schizophrenia is very much, I think just you're, you're splintering people and you have to have that, uh, transition of basically shattering into a thousand pieces, not knowing who you are. And then you're supposedly going to build yourself back up again. Mm -hmm. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, especially if we don't actually know how the world works right if we aren't aware of all the in- intelligence operations and we're keying off uh, their you know MK ultra style programs stealth MK ultra basically uh, what could possibly go wrong right
1: and I guess that's what's often missed when people are romanticizing the um, the drugs, sex revolution and of, of, peace of the sixties was, was often left out of that discussion. I mean, there, there's, there's often a lot of people talking about how wrong the war against drugs were. And, and for sure it was, that was like almost in my mind designed to be a failure. I mean, the idea of like just declaring war on petty weed dealers on the corner and ignoring the major wall street and London banks, you know, laundering all the drug money and supplying all of the, 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 <laughs> the means. And support to the the narco-terrorist out, you know, uh drug traffickers and mafia crime syndicates that were part of the CIA working with Dulles, ignoring all that, and then just going after declaring war on little petty dealers. Okay, that was obviously not gonna work, <laughs> almost by design. Um, but then what's often then missed is the MKUltra aspect, right? Where we kind of have a sense that the CIA has not been our friend for the past 50, 60 years or if ever. But there's this severing off of the fact that those very drugs that were in all of the campuses that that, that are at the heart of the the current drug revival movement uh, promoted by Joe Rogan and and Graham Hancock and so many others, all of these DMTs and psilocybin and and LSD uh, derivatives, they all came from the military industrial complex and the CIA working with Tavistockian psychiatrists in order to have a a, a method to control society or have society break. Br- shatter its connections with its traditions, nationalism, God, family, all these things and reconstruct people. All right, we're going to come back and continue this after a short break on TNCRadio.live de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective.
4: The cyclone that's in the north of Australia is kind of unusual for an El Nino season. That's because we have not really had an El Nino season this year in Australia. The Southern Oscillation Index, the longest-running measure of the ENSO, or El Nino, La Nina, has not cooperated at all. And we knew this was a problem way back in the Northern Hemisphere fall, and our spring, because we weren't seeing a lot of typhoons. Usually when you have a big El Nino, you have a lot of typhoons going off and we had the third lowest typhoon production on record. So something funky was going on. However, that Southern Oscillation Index is going to crash for the month of February, which means that our fall should be average in Australia. Now I'm bringing all this up because that crash in February is linked to severe cold in the United States and Europe for February into March. And we're seeing another ferocious storm attacking Norway now. A lot of heavy rain is coming into Europe over the next week. Now the two times that happened it turned frigid in Europe, same thing is going to happen. Mid-February to mid-March will be frigid in Europe. You see all these storms crashing into the United States? Well, guess what? It's gonna turn frigid in the United States. In fact, for much of the United States, the worst of the winter is on the way. And just think, it all hinges on looking at the weather around Australia. Isn't that nice? Hands across the water. Australia, the States, and Europe. Kumbaya. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got.
5: Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with, to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts. Reminders of things that make you feel strong. Some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan.
0: Deconstructing psyops, propaganda, and mainstream media garbage. Connecting the dots. You're with Matt Arrett and Connecting the Dots on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: All right. After a little bit of a, a technical glitch, we are back with the third segment of the third hour where we were just talking a little bit about the, um, the importance with David Gosselin, the importance of, of appreciating um, the good and the bad, right? There were, some, there were some good things that happened in the 60s. We're not saying it's all bad. However, the head of MKUltra and the CIA in Tavistock with professional psychiatrists following the, pre- the precepts for social control of people like Bertrand Russell, Artie Lang, um, and many, many others, it, it has to also be figured into our calculus when we think, well, where did the those sex drugs, where did the drugs especially come from within the sex drugs, rock and roll counterculture? Where did the those drugs just appear? How did they just appear on all the campuses and become embedded as part of the identities or the the thing shaping the identity identities of so many young people in the 60s? Um, and again it's it's easy to romanticize it but it's very important especially now that we're living in the wake 50 60 years later of of a lot of the decisions that were made over the dead bodies of Martin Luther King Jr. Bobby or Bobby and John F Kennedy um we're living in the wake of a lot of this this mess these the these these things to really evaluate objectively what this what what happened and one of the key controlling mechanisms or influential mechanisms was found at Big Sur uh, the Esalen Institute and uh, Dave has just been going through some of the elements of uh, what Eslin was. Dave, there is the issue you brought up of altered states. Hmm. How is, what is specifically an altered state? How did Esalen promote getting those things? And how does this, this play into something you've written about in terms of the changing images of man project?
2: Right. Well, yeah, I mean this altered states thing is is very big. And again, most things that we do, there's a, a lot of just normal life is going to involve altered states. From sleeping, your breathing changes, from walking, where your kind of automatic systems are doing the work for you. You're not thinking about every step you take. You'd probably trip and fall if you did. So we have all these systems there. And the idea of altered states, if you ex whenever we explore religious traditions, especially in the East, where there is a focus on the, the, the tantric tradition, where you have the texts and you're applying different practices, different forms of breathing, meditation, uh, rituals, dance, you know, a book I have right in front of me, The Mind Possessed by William Sargent, who was a, a psychiatrist at Moseley Hospital, which was like the Tavistock, but for surgery, you know, this is where the, uh, lobotomies and stuff would be done you mm-hmm. know he was looking at dancing tribes you know the, the the music and the drumming the the drums is really a big deal you know because you get everybody's heart rates will ink almost instantly it's going to start to rise people yeah. are going to be in a sense a place of heightened sensitivity and so just by adding a few mantras right adding some some lyrics some some words and some images, especially if somebody doesn't isn't that o- is aware, right, of the world or themselves. This stuff is very powerful, uh, mm-hmm. and even when you are, you know, you're, you're still kind of like bobbing your head and you're like, wow, th- th- this has a certain thing to it, right? I can't deny that there's a certain magic. Uh, Whatever so the this song is, uh,
1: happens- that damn that damn song Unholy comes on the radio and I hear that, I'm like, yeah, it's, ah, it's, it's catchy. It's that- it's yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm, well, I'm bobbing but, my head and it's
2: like, no, this is evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think a way to, I think the importance here to take the power from this stuff is to demystify it. Like for anything, if somebody wants to take power away from something, let's say like addiction, right? People want to demystify that. Like, why am I, do, why are they these vicious cycles? Right? Like, what is it that's driving me? Same with conspiracy theories, right? When people think it's just like, Ooh, you know, again, devils and demons and like vampires eating babies like you're not going to get anywhere that's just going to mess you up uh, so yeah to take the power for, away from something by demystifying it um in this case wait what was the there's a reason I just said that you're just i was um, asking about i was asking
1: about uh, altered states specifically their usefulness right. like how how they're so, being developed there and also the changing images of man yeah. project Alt. yeah
2: so just for example on the technical side cybernetics you've talked a lot about this and i think this is we're talking about music art what does this have to do but cybernetics is feedback loops okay and gregory bateson with his uh wife margaret mead you know they they were anthropologists they went to study tribes they went to study their rituals their customs and cybernetics was very much how they were applying this idea of where's the feedback coming from the positive and negative affectation that they have towards this ritual this system of hierarchy and how everything is in a more tribal setting it's very much felt thoughts you know people aren't necessarily going to articulate why everything is the way it is certain things are held with a certain sacredness with a certain regard there's respect And there are these rituals that amp people up and that their identities are sort of anchored to these uh, moments of intense, you know, sort of feeling. So the idea then is with music, what, what do you have? These are feedback loops. You just said unholy. There's just this constant unholy feedback loop that is meant to be fun, right? I think that's what we don't realize. A lot of these songs are meant to be fun. A lot of the more even satanic stuff right the lyrics if you look at if you take away all the fun music and, and the catchy rhythms and you just read the lyrics say these are bad people and not in a, <laughs> you don't even want to be judgmental but like this is this is a lot you know like who this is kids listening to this so mm-hmm. that's also subversive but the idea is you're you're repatterning the effective systems of people and often there's, there's a gap between like the nice feeling, the nice uh, pleasant melody and the content, right? The content is can be often dark or uh, just very, um, yeah, not, not very human friendly, but it's a nice beat. And you'll see there's a lot of that in modern music and that does something, right? That right there is sort of divorcing your your feelings from your reason and it's it's repatterning it in a way that there's a duality right there's a split and so imagining an entire machine an entertainment industrial complex that's there to just churn out these feedback loops that people emote with and especially young people uh, that's hard to undo right like you can't just don't do drugs or don't you know be a good person you know like the values there's feelings and what's mm-hmm. true for most people is is what feels true right what feels good so if you can pattern that and the opposing you know the things that feel bad are false or wrong um you, you got a whole society that's been patterned uh, pretty intensely using cybernetics which is a world war ii sort of you know radar system technology Mm -hmm. that's a great
1: yeah very no it's very useful to and you're you're doing what you're talking about you're demystifying something which people don't often think hey my mind can can go can go there i can reasonably think through and obviously we're just scratching the surface here but yes the answer is yes one can actually go and look at these mechanisms with reason and understand what are the um the governing controls how do they work what are the tricks you can go behind them the magic trick right we can we can actually see that uh that that bird did not actually fly out of that kid's ear there was a a magic trick <laughs> very rational but ultimately it fools the eye we um, can
2: learn how the sausage is made if you so choose how,
1: yeah, we may not want to but we can't and what you just said as well it, it kind of gets at the heart of of british imperial philosophical liberalism too Um, with this idea that, and we were, you know, I mentioned earlier, the, the, the do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law and the hellfire club of Francis Dashwood. Well, the hellfire club was at the heart of the British empire. And I mean, a lot of the British imperial thinkers like Adam Smith or John Locke were themselves not theorists in a, in a vacuum. They were people who had an assignment. They were, they were loyal to a system of, of an idea of global control, not that dissimilar from the type of ideal of the great reset. And so the theories that they promoted um, regarding what are we capable of? What is, what is right and wrong? How do we judge it? Well, a lot of it was based on what you just said, pleasure and pain, right? That it's the pleasure pain principle of uh, Bernard Mandeville, of of Adam Smith, that determines what is value. What should we make economic policy around? Well, what is, what is good is that which gives us pleasure. What is bad is that which gives us pain. We want to reduce pain, increase pleasure. And a whole world of political economy was spun at the which is at the heart of globalization, at the heart of every bad decision. So this is very practical stuff to to think about and how it was applied to then shape a whole generation or influence a whole generation. Very interesting stuff, man. Yeah. Mm. I mean, On the issue could, of the changing it, <laughs> it's no, just, uh, just to let it sink in. It's really good. Um, for the changing images of men, um, this is something I know you've, you've spoken a lot about this book, um, and the project that it was associated with, with Willis Harmon. Um, why is this, what were they trying to do and in and, and what way did it manifest and what, what was, what were they doing with this?
2: Right. Well, uh, a few things, a few fun facts, uh, both Michael Murphy and Dick Price, who are the founders of Esalen, they had a teacher, uh, Friedrich Spiegelberg. Who was from a Swiss uh, aristocratic family? Uh, of course, uh, the the Swiss are pretty interesting when it comes to all these these uh, spiritual things. Um, and yeah, he taught comparative Eastern religions at Stanford. Stanford, the S is, you know, where the SRI, the Stanford Research Institute, is located. Naturally, uh, mm-hmm. and so the Changing Images of Man document, also at Stanford. So there's a lot of this, uh, and again, the textual stuff, right, the, the 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 applying there. What's interesting is basically they're making synthetic religions. Like this isn't, these aren't people that are missionaries in any sort of sense. You know, this isn't like Jesus and his apostles, like really getting in there, going and talk to, pe- to people or Socrates. These are academics, right? These are people in schools who have their interpretations of like, What's a better religion? How do we reframe Judeo-Western Christian images to fit our, our designs, where we think society should go, where the Club of Rome uh, and the Stanford Research Institute and, and these brain uh, these brain trusts where they envision humanity going? So, and you even mentioned Young, you know, where he just talks about getting people to play around with myth and get excited about myth. But you see, there's a reason. So all the images, right. Uh, um, Campbell, D. Campbell was one of the guys also in this. So uh, jo- they're basically... Joseph,
1: Joseph Campbell?
2: Yeah, or Joseph okay. So basically the idea is we all have a self-image. Actually, this is this is Psycho-Cybernetics, another book that I have just in front of me. Uh, that was the original self-help Bible, like 1961. Um he was a plastic surgeon he just noticed that people if you change their face they would change their personality and obviously there's some truth to that but you see what do the bad guys always end up doing they take this stuff and they they sort of run with it uh they map the superficial sort of aspects and they say how do we reproduce this right how do we get people to alter their self-image um and so the myths and playing around with these images recombining them you know Uh, so, I mean, for the Judeo-Christian, you know, if you want to, basically they want to reduce the world population, right? And yet the Judeo-Christian very much has from Genesis, uh, you know,
1: uh, you know, and multiply, replenish the earth. Yeah. Yeah. So how do
2: you, how do you, how do you, uh, synthesize a new image? Right. So obviously you have to bring in something about nature worship and the sacredness of nature. Uh, So Friedrich Spiegelberg in this uh, excellent book, uh, there's a pretty compelling passage where he just talks about going on a walk and he was like at the beautiful fields and like all of beautiful nature and he saw a church, he saw a little chapel. And basically the thought is, what a crime, what a travesty that the idea of the holy and the sacred is supposedly contained within these four walls, right, within that little chapel. And that everything outside is just sort of disregarded. And so Christianity, traditional Christianity, is treated as this thing that had no real regard for, you know, nature or the world. If it wasn't, you know, this strictly sanctioned, these sanctioned institutions or pre-approved practices. So basically Mm -hmm. man was ignoring the vast holiness and sacredness of the world. Now, fast forward, you go to the end of the book, and finally they're saying what we need is uh, pain and theism and, you know, nature mysticism. So everything is sacred. And so the trick here, man is not separate from that. Man is just another creature in that mystical ecosystem. And, yeah, we can't say that one is more valuable, right? Metaphysical judgments? No, bad. We can't say that one is more, there's any hierarchy. So whether a snail or a human being, you know, you shouldn't really prioritize the life of one over the other. In fact, the argument from the Stanford Research Institute Changing Images of Man is that we should actually prioritize nature and natural world over uh, the abundance of people. So that's where it gets... It gets, you know, people have Mm. to have their antennas up. You know, what does that really mean if a human being and like a butterfly are the same thing? Spiritually, there's, that's a very subversive idea if people actually sort of think about what a world like that actually looks like, Mm. you know, play it out until the end. What does that really look like? Let
1: me ask you this, for those, because I mean, If we do believe that the universe is created by a creator with reason and love and goodness and that everything thus must have that quality of the creative force animating it, thus everything must participate in the divine. That means also that we are part of the universe and everything has a we are divine. The tree must have a participate participation within that. Um, How is that different? from what the Esalen people believe, because it sounds similar right. the way I just described it.
2: Right. Yeah. And I mean, this is where, again, Plato in he his chief virtue, and when he outlines the virtues and the laws, uh, which is one of his last works, uh, discernment is number one, good judgment, followed by temperance, followed by justice, followed by courage. Right, and one without the other, you're you're going to have problems. Right, if you want justice but you don't have the courage to sort of go for it, you'll have problems. If you have you know temperance but you don't have good judgment, or you have courage but you don't have good judgment, this is a disaster, and that's actually what happened to Greece. And so in this case, I mean, this is what the the Luciferian tribe we could say they don't they don't believe in qualitative distinctions between man and animal. So At the end of the day they're materialists so they think in terms of quantitative in quantitative terms more or less do human beings have more brain cells than a squirrel sure right are the genes of a worm and a human being uh different yes but only by a bit right from a quantitative materialist standpoint all these things are they're just matters of detail so they're removing these are the kind of distinctions that start to get removed. There's no qualitative distinction between a soul, uh, a human being made in the, as a conscious, willful, you know, image of the creator that has a free will, that has the power of reason to discover, and therefore has complex emotions, right? They can feel shame if they do something that, uh, from a purely animal perspective, would be fine, we're not gonna punish the cheetahs for hurting uh, the gazelles, you know, they're just being cheetahs and gazelles. But uh, if human beings sort of, you know, if they're violent and it's irrational, uh, that's that's punishable, right? So, but these are moral distinctions. These are qualitative distinctions that recognize there's a sovereignty in human beings, which Mm. is sacred and it's sacred in everybody and the goal is to allow human beings to come to know that uh, within themselves so that they're not just operating operating from, you could say, just the animal uh, basic uh, mechanisms that are there for our survival. You know, like nature can't wait for everybody to become fully self-actualized uh, angels uh, for the human population to reproduce, right? Or like if a civilization collapses, it's not like everybody has, you know, Oh, we don't feel like having babies. It's too expensive. Like you won't have a civilization if, if that's how people were designed. So you have all these automatic systems. Uh, but as Schiller, the poet Schiller makes the point, the difference with man is nature starts with man. Like she does all her other works. She, she's there. Um, she does, she's there for him where he can't himself sort of do the work. So the uh, do the thinking, but, the difference between man and the animals is that he doesn't stay there he retraces through reason the steps that sort of nature left for him such that uh just necessity uh, becomes a moral question right. right we're actually able to make choices and we're right. alive we're we're online so that that means there is good and bad because you're you're making choices the luciferian ethos they don't like that they don't like the the qualitative distinctions that Christianity will make between serving purely animal instinct and, you know, using your reason and 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 love uh, for a higher purpose. They think they're, mm-hmm. those are all just fake abstractions and that's how people are controlled. So Lucifer's there to to liberate you from the, this tyranny so that you can actually be your full self and expand your will out as much as uh you would you would like to
1: right and and that is sort of the idea we see in so much of our popular culture lady gaga um videos as well on judas saying you know like lucifer is my my real love uh though judas uh, no no Ju- judas is my real love that's it judas is my real love but jesus is the person that i i love but you're this it's super like re- rebellious you know you got like one of these characters judas the guy playing judas in the video pouring like beer on her or something and there's this idea that we have this new sacred individualism to break away from the tyranny of reason the tyranny of tradition and it's true like there's a lot of bad traditions that have done damage not all traditions are created equal right there's some bad neurotic things that became traditions which Mm. we should want to break away from that's what made the founding fathers do a revolution in 1776, there's bad traditions that were unnatural, that they judged were unnatural and that they judged there was a better way. And they acted according to judge discernment, according to certain values that I think you you touched upon just now in your beautiful exposition. And um, I, I was thinking about also from the other cultures, because people might think, oh, that's very Judeo-Christian. But Cynthia uh, was telling me through her research, she, was, she stumbled upon a, a fight in the vedanta society also active in uh, in california between alan watts uh, who is a, a former theosophist maybe a lifelong theosophist and a, a follower of you know a promoter of divine madness who also was at es- esalen as well and uh, the representative of the vedanta society who was doing something a little bit more authentically uh, honorable and you you know alan watts was saying yeah, we're all, all is Brahma, like the, the, the snail, the rock, it's all as equally sacred as me. Everything is God. And this guy was like the, the Vedanta uh, leader at the time was saying, no, 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 you don't understand it. <laughs> like <laughs> You're skipping steps. There, there's a qualitative, a qualitative difference that you could judge uh, that your, your method is sloppy. It's lazy. And it's, it's, and there was this interesting fight. So you could see it in all different cultures as well. It's not just simply the Judeo Christian matrix that this fight of glorifying mm-hmm. lucifer around this using these same techniques it, it, it occurs and arises in uh, in different cultures as well absolutely yeah but the uh but yeah the, i think that what you're what you're getting at is extremely important for people to think about how how does our mind work because it's like if if we are part of nature what part of nature do we identify with within ourselves that we then see as uh, a representation of the divine, because it's not like we're it's not like the world outside of humans is crap or everything outside of the church, outside of a church is not sacred. That's they, it's like they create this Manichaean dualism as a false argument that they impose logically onto their their way of thinking. When they then say, "Oh, see, that's why we have to be liberated of Judeo-Christian artificial systems of otherness that assume that there's yeah. like." Only us that are good who are Christian and then everything else is bad. And they create these these dualisms as far as their logical argument is concerned. But it was never true. I mean, good Christians never thought that way. Good, good Hindus never thought that way. Like everything, everything authentic that the oligarchy is afraid of understands that there is everything is sacred, but there there is a hierarchy based upon certain discoverable attributes.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so I mean they're not really concerned with that, right? Because they're out to promote a sort of MK Ultra, you know, repatterning using synthetic images, you know, syncretic mm. sort of creations. And so their emphasis is on selling this stuff and the the feelings that will people will uh, emote with, right? That that will allow them to create these uh systems of affectation that are then, you know, the public debates like Joe Rogan on, on psychedelics, it's, it's a feedback loop. Right. And then you play this thing out. I saw one with Mike Tyson, uh, and he's just talking about like, other psychedelics, right? Cause once you have one site your experience of God, right. If the mushroom is your experience of God, uh, then just like in any tradition, it's not just supposed to be a one-time thing. You're supposed to have a regular practice. So what do you think happens? Well, have you tried this mushroom? It's one where, you know, you could turn on and off like your trip like just by whatever it's <laughs> you know or it's like microdosing versus hyperspace and you know what happens if we stay in hyperspace for a week or a month versus what if we microdose for a year so it becomes a whole religion and it's on it's the emphasis is on experience right so no metaphysics don't don't use discernment to like think about what the deeper implications of all these things are there. It's the emphasis is really on just getting people to feel and emote. And so in this Mm. way, you're, you're infantilizing people like, this is what oligarchical social engineering is about. Just get them to emote with these things, emphasize the varieties of religious experience, right? This is William James. This is what Huxley was looking at, and that's what SLN sort of came in as the Mecca, on just that note that experiential let's get people the experiential level of all this stuff and that's how they get that's how you get pattern once you start going into it and experimenting you don't have discernment you didn't cultivate that chief virtue uh, it's normal you know to get confused Dave There was a lot you just unpacked. Um, If people want
1: to subscribe to your Substacks or get a subscription to your new liar, where do they go? How do they follow your work?
2: So, uh, simplest way, just look me up, David Gosselin on Substack, .substack ageofmuses.substack.com, and The Chained Muse, where we're always putting out new timeless literature, writings, we have a new short story series. Uh, So yeah, we're looking to put out the good culture the edifying stuff that can allow us to get back in touch with that rich classical tradition that our civilization has had that we need to rediscover. Amen, brother. All right. Thank you for coming on. This has been TNT
1: Radio connecting the dots. We'll see you next week. Take care.